0: You're listening to Simplifying Investing with Diana Messina. This podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. Now, here's Diana. Hello and welcome to Simplifying Investing with Diana Messina. Today, we're going to cover the topic of Population growth in Australia, and more importantly, immigration, which has received a lot of attention in the past few months. We've had a record boom in immigration in Australia in 2023, and there are significant impacts on the economy from this. So, we're going to look at some of these impacts. First, let's start off with the backdrop that we find ourselves in. Australia has historically tended to run a very high migration program. Ever since 2005, the pace of immigration has been a very dominant driver of population growth in our country. Now, that started off to be important because it was used to fill the skills gap during the mining boom when those skills were needed and fly-in, fly-out workers were required to some of those remote areas. Since that time, Australia's population growth has averaged about 1.6% every single single year. Now that is quite high compared to some of our global peers. If we compare that rate and in particular the OECD average, then Australia has very much outperformed. We have much stronger population growth compared to countries like the US and the UK. The average OECD population growth rates prior to the pandemic were averaging at somewhere like 0.7 or 0.8%, whereas Australia was running closer to about 1.5% at that time. After net migration plunged during the pandemic. It's been playing catch-up in 2023. We've seen annual immigration in Australia reach a record high. The annual intake is running at over 500,000 people per year. The people that are included are those that are either on permanent or long-term visas, and long-term is defined as someone who's here for more than 12 months these levels are well above where the federal government thought they would be in the May federal budget. They were anticipating about a 400,000 lift in overseas migration over the 2023 financial year and a 315,000 lift in the 2023-24 financial year. So even the government has been surprised by the rate of population growth, not to mention economists as well. If we break down the arrivals data by visa type, we can see that there's been a very big increase in temporary visa arrivals and they've actually counted for the bulk of the increase in net migration. We included temporary skilled student work and other visas when we looked at temporary arrivals, but we excluded visitors because they're usually here for less than 12 months. So, we have really only looked at those who are here for the long term and tend to stay a few years. It's important to keep in mind that you could still be on a temporary visa, but be here for over 12 months. Your visa may be for two or three years or so. And this also explains why the government continues to run an annual migration target or level at about 190,000 people per year, but why the actual levels of overseas migration tend to be much higher than that, because overseas migration accounts for those who are both on permanent visas, but for those that are also on temporary visas. The current pace of net migration is really unlikely to continue to maintain its current rate because the increase in temporary arrivals does reflect a catch-up after the pandemic. The government treasury is forecasting overseas migration to slow to around half of its current pace in the 2024-25 financial year, and then in 2026 and the 2027 financial years to be closer to its pre-COVID numbers. But given the recent strength in population growth, there is a risk that actual migration ends up being higher than the treasury is estimating over the next few years. So let's have a look at what some of the impacts are on the economy if we continue to have high levels of population growth? Well, first off, high population growth is an offset to an ageing population. Like many advanced economies, Australia's population is ageing, and that's very well known and reported about. If we measure Australia's old age dependency ratio, and this measures the number of people aged over 65 for every 100 people of working age who are between 15 to 64 years, then this old age dependency ratio is likely to increase from its current level of 26.6%. To 38.2% by 2063. If we compare that to previous times, before the 1960s, our old age dependency ratio was closer to about 15%. And as a share of the total population, those aged over 65 will increase from 122 of the population at the moment to 18.1% by 2063. That's closer to the demographic profile of some of our neighboring Asian economies that already have quite aging populations. Countries like Singapore, South Korea, China, and Japan has a much larger share of its population, aged over 65. A high ratio of older people relative to the working age population puts downward pressure on national savings, and it tends to put upward pressure on inflation because spending increases, but savings, because there are less people working, as a share of the population grows at a slower pace. So there is definitely a case to bring in younger skilled workers, especially if those skills are needed to alleviate some of the skills shortages that our country faces. And there are also skills that are lost as the population ages. Those who retire, leave the workforce with skills that they learned. So there is a need to fill in or gap some of those skills that go missing as the population ages. High immigration also has an impact on living standards in the economy and inflation. A high population growth rate adds to economic growth because as the population grows, there is additional demand for things like consumer spending and housing. Currently, Australia's population growth is running a GDP growth. That means that GDP growth per capita or per person is declining and it's actually been negative for at least two quarters. So I guess you could call it a per capita recession and some commentators have. On our forecast, we're going to get another few quarters of negative per capita growth before it bottoms out in early 2024. This means that high population growth can actually mask the changes in real living standards because when we look at real living standards, we look at per capita GDP growth. The decline in Australian per capita GDP growth growth over the past few quarters actually means that living standards are going backwards in this country. But that also does reflect the cost of living pressures that households have been under and businesses too, and also the lift in interest rates from the reserve bank rate hikes. Population growth also adds to demand in the economy and to supply through the labour market ultimately. However, high population growth can boost inflation if it leads to an imbalance between demand and supply. And we are seeing that at the moment, the housing market is a classic example of a market that has way too much undersupply at a time when demand is rising from a high population growth rate. So let's talk about the impact of population growth on the housing market. Well, current demand for housing is running well above supply in Australia. Housing demand is running at about 220,000 new dwellings a year. But at the moment, we're only building about 175,000 dwellings. And if you look at current building approvals, they're actually indicating that we could build 160,000 homes next year, which is even lower than the current amount and gets us even further away from where demand is traveling at the moment. This means that the outlook for housing supply is really challenging. And even at a time when the government is actually trying and targeting to lift housing supply, the continued housing shortfall that we've had in Australia over the past few years, well, really over the past few decades, will continue to add pressure to the already very tight rental market, which we can see through increasing rents and very low vacancy rates. And that means further cost of living pressures for renters. So what does this all mean for investors and for the economy in the long run? Well, part of the reason for why Australia's economic outcomes this year have been a lot stronger than expected, I think has been down to the very high levels of immigration. And that's added to demand in the economy and also partly to supply through the labour market. But it has also helped to lift home prices, which is positive for some who are invested in the housing market, but not for others who are trying to get into the market and has also also kept our economic or GDP growth numbers more elevated than otherwise, despite the fact that per capita growth has actually gone backwards. We think that we've probably reached peak levels of population growth in this country. The past few months of temporary visa intakes have started to peak and we think that next year the pace of population growth will start to slow. This should be considered as a positive because the challenging inflation environment that we find ourselves in and the decline in Australian living standards from lower per capita GDP growth does mean that there is a case for the government to review its temporary visa intake to alleviate some of the pressures on the housing market and also to other sectors of the economy like infrastructure, which are struggling with ultimately demand that's too high from a growing population base. That's not to say that there aren't very significant benefits from running high immigration policy. And some of these positive impacts I've spoken about, they include things like trying to alleviate some of the offsets from an aging population or making the population more culturally diverse. But for the current point in the cycle that we're in, Australia needs to look at its temporary visa intake to alleviate some of the pressures that we feel on the sectors that are struggling the most right now, like the housing market. Well, that's it for today. I hope you've learned something useful about how population growth can impact the economy. And until next time. To keep up to date with Jana's podcasting reports, follow her on LinkedIn and your favourite streaming platform.